Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. And we're in the Epistle of Joy, chapter 4. This is the third part of our series for our foundations, our Wednesday nights. And uh, we're going to probably get into verse uh, 6 tonight, but I just want to review just a little bit. Um, So the last couple of messages, we saw that uh, we are standing fast in our covenant. Our new covenant with God through Christ Jesus is jam-packed with resurrection promises. These promises provide plenty of stable real estate for us to build a stable life upon. And we looked at, uh, this was verse 1. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49, and we talked about how the doer of the word is the stable believer. They're the stable believer, not just the hearer. The hearer of the word without doing causes sand to be unto you. And how many realize this? You realize that uh, trials and tribulations come, and they will test your foundation. (laughs) They will. They will. And God will even uh, have you do things and lead you at times, into things um, that test your foundation. Did you know that? Do you know where Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted of who? The devil, correct? Do you know that uh, the scripture talks about in Deuteronomy that God uh, tested the children of Israel for their good? Now, Now, God doesn't test you for your destruction, but he will test your faith. And uh, what happens, sometimes people think, well, I don't want him to test my faith, but he does it to show you how strong you are. So if you're really led by the Spirit of God and you're, you're in fellowship with him and, and being a doer of the word like you're supposed to be, you'll co- go through the test, you'll get to the other side of it, and you'll go, oh, that wasn't so bad. I guess I'm stronger than I thought I was. How many know even in, in, when it comes to all aspects of our life, we need his revelation even of who we are? We don't even realize what level we're at unless he reveals it to us. And uh, sometimes I I know in my own life that it's taken me a time to realize that. And then as you continue to develop, you realize more and more, you know, uh, yeah, you really need revelation from heaven. As much as you think you know you, you don't know you like he knows you. Amen. So we saw also in verse 2 of Philippians 4, the more our lives center on the Lord, the more unity we will have with others who center on the Lord. For those of us who hold our lives dear and have not found the joy that Paul expressed when he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, we will walk in very little unity. Our unity has to be in the Lord. It has to be in the Lord. And what I've found is, uh, the, the more mature we are in Christ, the less we uh, have issues with fights in the body of Christ. And specifically, he was talking about those uh, two ladies that were jawing at each other about something. Who knows? Probably the color of the carpet. <laughs> Verse 3, we saw, in order for the body of Christ to function as it should, there needs to be cooperation among the believers and leaders to keep unity. Leaders slash disciples, have a responsibility to steer those in strife to a place of unity. Leaders, slash disciples, should never fan the flames of strife between individuals in the body of Christ. Try not to pick a side. Amen. 
We talked about that, uh, we looked at a scripture in Proverbs, where, where if you don't put any wood on the fire, the fire does what? It goes out. It's just, and if you don't believe that, just go home tonight, start a fire, put some wood on there, and then don't put any more on, and watch, and you'll see that the fire will go out. That seems really simple, but that very simple practical truth works in the same area of gossip and all of those things, you know what I mean? In other words, if you don't put anything on the flames, it'll stop. Sometimes I've noticed this through the years, I've talked about this before, but when I was a youth pastor, we'd have different teenagers that, you know, these teenagers come, some come from great homes, some came, came from very rough homes, and what I found with the, uh, with the ones that came from rough homes, they would ask us to pray for them that the roughness would stop, but they would, as soon as things got calm where they were, um, it was interesting because they would go look to make trouble somewhere else. Do you want to know why? Because we're creatures of habit, and even if it's uncomfortable, and we're, but we're used to it, we'll create it again because it feels abnormal. I remember hearing Joyce Meyer years ago talk about how she, when she really, when the Lord really taught her and she had really developed to the point where she didn't worry about anything anymore. I mean, it took her a while to get there, but she got there, and she found herself bored, you know, it's true. We, we, you know, we talk about just talking about worry. You can have a situation, you can have things that you're doing in your life, and, it, and it's not a good thing like worry, and then you get it taken care of, and then you like wonder what you're going to do with your time. And there's a tendency in the flesh to want to go back to what you did before. Have you ever noticed um, if you're a real busy person, you, you have a hard time even just sitting down and doing nothing? I know people that like to be busy, and the only way they can sit down and do nothing is if their gas tank runs out. They have to be so tired that if they do sit down, they fall asleep. <laughs> Easy. You've gone to meddling, preacher. Trust me, I'm meddling on myself because <laughs> I'm a doer. And there are times where I'm sitting, uh, especially with like, because uh, you have a phone, you have everything accessible right there. Um, there's the tendency to, like when we're playing cards with, uh, don't tell anybody I play cards, but um, <laughs> they might think I'm going to hell, you know. But anyway, uh, we're playing cards with the family and stuff. I'll scroll my phone in between hands. I only have to wait like another minute or so. But there's something in us as humans in our natural where we're like, we want to see what's going on, what something might be going on. Trust me, nothing's going on on Facebook that's worth missing or not worth missing. It's, you know, so anyway. (laughs) But if you don't put logs on things, if you don't feed things, they'll die. Um, Eventually, you know, it's like uh, I heard a minister say one time, don't feed a stray cat. If you keep feeding the stray cat, the cat will keep coming back. If you leave the cat alone, it'll get hungry enough and go somewhere else. Amen? So it's, you say, is that a spiritual principle? Yes. Don't feed the fire. Don't feed the fire of strife. Don't feed the fire of anger. Don't feed the fire of jealousy. Don't feed the fire of you name it. Okay? Um, 
we looked at this also in verse 4, that the storms of life come and go, but despite our problems, rejoicing, rejoicing should come from our lips at all times. The voice of faith is our praise to the Lord. Here, Paul emphatically tells the congregation to rejoice. In fact, he tells them twice, just as praise is a choice, so the lifestyle of praise is also a choice. When the pressures of life come, it is a great temptation to forget the Christian life and all forms of discipline which go along with it. Yet these disciplines are even more necessary in tough times. We saw in verse 5, finally... Uh, Here in verse 5, we saw that we need to look at the details of life through an awareness of the Lord's return. He is coming very soon, and possessions will mean nothing in the light of eternity. We will receive no rewards in heaven for the car we drove or the home we lived in. We will only receive rewards for what we did with the finances God entrusted us with. We will be rewarded for the souls we brought into the kingdom with our finances and the ministries we supported through our giving, and of course, anything that you're led by the Spirit of God to do. So let's look at verse number 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. This is a great verse for everybody at all times. Be anxious for everything. I'm sorry, I read it wrong. (laughs) Be anxious for nothing but in what? Everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known unto God. The Amplified Translation says this, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. That covers a lot, doesn't it? So anything covers everything, (laughs) right? But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and and petition, with thanksgiving, Continue to make your wants known to God. Does God care about your wants? Yes, he does. Sometimes people, you know, we love to quote Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my need, and they think, yeah, God will supply your need, but not your wants. No, he'll supply your wants. Amen? As long as they don't violate his covenant, he'll supply your wants. And so we need to realize that as well. Listen to this in the Passion Translation. It says, don't be pulled in different directions. Do you know that's what anxiety is? It's being pulled in different directions. How many, of, how many on a daily basis have things that pull at you? You have things that pull at you. Well, I've got to balance this and this and this and this and this. And how do you do that? In everything, do what? Yeah, in everything give thanks, but in everything do what? By prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God with thanksgiving, right? So it says this, to go on in the Passion Translation, it says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing, not a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. I like that. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him, listen to this, every detail of your life. Tell him every detail of your life. You know, sometimes people, you know, they, they, they feel like they're growing in their relationship with the Lord. Or actually, I should say it this way. They wonder if they're growing in their relationship with the Lord. Because they do the religious duty. You say, what do you mean by that? They show up on Wednesday. They show up on Sunday. They serve in an area. That's a part 
of growing in the Lord. But if you really want to grow in the Lord, you've got to take these truths with a heart of faith and begin to interact with your unseen God. Come on. And, to, and, and incorporate Him into every area of your life. This is how true relationship with the Lord grows. The things that we do in church attendance and things like that, they're all necessary. But that's really not intimacy with the Lord. I mean, outside of you're hearing the word or during a worship song, the Spirit of God's ministering to you. But your individual, when you're away from everybody else, are you including the Lord in all your daily stuff? Are you telling him every detail of your life? People think, well, he doesn't want to know every detail. He does. He wants relationship and fellowship with you. Really, I should say fellowship because he has relationship. The Mirror Bible says it, this, says it this way, let no anxiety about anything distract you. Rather, translate moments into prayerful worship. You like that? Let no anxiety about anything distract you. Rather, translate moments into prayerful worship. And soak your requests in gratitude before God. Isn't that good? I like the way that's, that's the, the mirror Bible on that one. I like that. Um, he says this, the word for anxiety is the idea of distraction, to divide. Your requests do not surprise God. Thankfully, amen. How many have a general understanding that God really knows where you're at? You know, I heard a, a minister years ago at Rama. he was also one of our teachers named Tony Cook, but he said, you know, God, people pine over or, or get almost anxious in prayer about what they're supposed to do for God. Or, God, I just want to do, and, they, and they almost, they, it almost becomes like an obsession to a point of worry that they're going to miss what God wants them to do. And Tony Cook pointed this out. He said, how many think God knows your phone number? I mean, does he know your address? He knows where you're at. He knows what's going on. Now, let me, I'm gonna, we're going to get into this maybe a little later. And this really, oh boy, this really ministered to me today when I was looking over some of this stuff, just in walking through things in my own life, my own relationship with him. How many know this, that God knows the problem you're in and he knew it before you were ever born? That ought to give you comfort that he's got an answer and you're going to get through. Glory to God. You know, we should just say it every so often. I'm going to make it all the way. I'm going all the way to the end. You know, sometimes people, God leads his people to do things, and, and he's done this with me, and he led me into certain things or to do certain things or to be a part of certain things. And in the middle of, in the middle of it, I thought, God, did you know what you were getting me into? Have you ever felt like that before? Generally, yes, he knows. He has an idea. In those moments, what's happening is I started looking around me instead of focusing on him. Instead of, get, instead of, now there are times where we just get ourselves in a mess and it's our fault. You know, like that church sign I saw one time that said, um, um, it, basically it talked about the fact that um, I found myself in a difficult situation and I asked why God. And he basically said, well, you're the one that made that decision. You're in it because you're there. You made it. How many, have, how many have cooked your own meal with your own recipe? Yeah. It's like, no thanks. I'll follow the recipe book next time. <laughs> Just, you know. 
<laughs> you know, or the other church sign that I saw, things happen for a reason. Sometimes the reason is you're stupid. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I've done that. The spirit of stupid has led me into things. And I followed being, being dumb, <laughs> following along. I don't believe I'm dumb, so don't. <laughs> but anyway, my point is this, is that um, in all of this, you can get distracted. You can, you can have, the, the enemy will try to get you off, your eyes off of the one who is your deliverer, get you to believe that God has abandoned you and he doesn't know where you're at. He knows exactly where you and I are at. He knows us so well he has my hairs numbered on my head. <laughs> this will encourage your faith. You're going to make it through. You're going to get all the way to where God has for you before his, if, he, if he doesn't return first, and you're going to, move, and you're going to step over and move into, what, into heaven, into eternity with him. Amen? So he knows our thoughts, the scripture says, from afar, and is acquainted with all of our ways. Now, isn't that amazing? He's acquainted with every one of our ways, and yet he still wants to hang out. I love that about him. Amen? That's good. Yet he delights in your conversation and childlike trust. So he delights in your conversation and your trust in him. He wants to talk about it. Have you ever tried to be overly religious in your prayer? Do you ever feel like you're talking to a, a brass ceiling? You know, it's, it's, it's not. You just need to be you, not disrespectful, but you and fellowship with the Lord. Fellowship with the Lord. How many know that the Lord knows every language on the planet? And he speaks to you differently than he speaks to me because he knows exactly how I need to hear it and the picture that needs to go into my mind so that my faith can connect with what he's saying and we can continue to move forward. Amen? He does. So we're not supposed to be anxious or divided about anything. Matthew chapter 6. Let's go there. We'll look at some more scriptures on this. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, you guys all know this verse, most of you do. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 25 says this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. I like this, nor about your body. You're not supposed to worry about your body. Do you know that? <laughs> I'm learning this more and more. <laughs> But you're not, you're not supposed to worry about it. And I know specifically here he's talking about what you put on, but just in a general sense, people get obsessed with their natural. Like that's all they think about. They're just constantly, and it goes to two extremes. Have you noticed? It goes to two extremes. There are some people that are so obsessed with their body, all they do is work out the muscles so they can flex in a mirror. And then you got other people that are obsessed with feeding it, Got a few head nods on that one. You know, my point is this. It's, it, we're not supposed to be obsessed with the natural. And we're not supposed to worry about it. Amen? We're not supposed to worry about it. And this takes, how many know it takes the power of God to stop worry? How many know, you, how many realize this? 
How many have ever tried to combat worry just on your own? Without the power of God. It doesn't work. You won't be able to beat it in your own strength. You've got to learn to turn it over to the Lord. And that's where you, uh, Mike was hitting on some of this uh, Sunday morning in his uh, teaching he's doing in Vessels of Honor. But you, you have to realize this. It takes time and fellowship. But he made this statement, which is good, court's still in session. You say, what does that mean? God has not turned you over to the enemy. So keep fellowshipping with him, amen? Keep working with him and don't worry about what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I could preach a sermon right there on the value of animals versus humans, but I won't. There are, more, there are multiple scriptures in the Gospels where Jesus points out that humans are much more valuable than animals. Multiple. And our culture has gone what? The other direction. Why? Demon spirit. Okay. Verse 27. Which, which of you by worrying can add a cubit to your stature? Stature. Who can add height and length to their days by worrying? You can't. You won't. In fact, you'll shorten them. That's what happens. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I always find this interesting. Everybody wants to paint this picture of Jesus that he was super poverty-minded, like he hated money. Why use Solomon to teach the people on how they should be clothed? Have you ever thought about that? I have. In fact, I, you know, you guys know this, but I like that show, The Chosen, right? Well, he's constantly, like, there, you can tell the kind of the religious bent a little bit behind the story. Not that it hangs me up, because it doesn't. But I find it amusing. They actually use this passage in, in one of the series where Jesus is teaching on clothing and not worrying about your life. And he's talking about the lilies of the field and how wonderfully they're dressed. But yet in some scenes, he's like, oh, no, no, don't, don't, give, don't get too nice of, you know, not too nice of things, just enough. But yet he, they use this teaching. I'm thinking, God's not just enough. He's more than enough. Your cup will be full halfway. And yet there are Christians that sit in churches and go, amen, and they're out there trying to make as much money as they possibly can and hiding it and lying about it. That's what I love. <laughs> they're lying, well, you know, <laughs> anyway. So God desires, if he, if he cares about the, the flowers and stuff that get burned up, that get trampled, all of that, how much more does he care about us? Again, you could teach here on the value of a person over the value of the planet. But I won't go there. And then he says this, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the fire or the oven, will he not much, clothe you, much more clothe you? Much more. He doesn't just clothe you, he much more clothes you. O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not worry saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For, all, for after all of these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Added to you. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So is it going to do me any good to worry about tomorrow? It won't. Is it going to do me any good to stay up all night in bed, tossing and turning, wondering how I'm going to get through the day tomorrow? No, it'll just make it harder to get through the day tomorrow. <laughs> right? <laughs> such, such powerful truths about not being anxious. So don't be anxious. Don't, don't, uh, I'm going to read the Mirror Bible again. Let no anxiety about anything distract you. Rather, translate moments into prayerful worship. And soak your requests in gratitude before God. You can jot these down, but if you go to Luke chapter 12, uh, there's a, there's, it's basically the same account of Matthew 6, about not worrying if you want to look at that a little later. In no place in the Bible, in no place does the Bible say we are to worry about anything. Yet many seem to think that their worry somehow aids the plan of God. God settles everything from his side without the help of our worrying. Worry always concerns the future. We know God has taken care of everything up until this point, but, but because we do not know tomorrow, we think we may, he may fail to come through for us this time. So we worry. The Lord never fails to come through for me. He always performs his part perfectly. How many know in the equation he's not the one in question? God has perfect knowledge. Um, God has perfect knowledge. He knows and sees the future as well as we see the past. We need to stop worrying and start trusting. God has never failed us and will not start failing us tomorrow. God has never failed us and he'll not start failing us tomorrow. The foundation for prayer in our lives is a relaxed attitude. Fear and worry hinder our prayers because we are saying through our attitude and actions that we do not believe the promises of God. Instead of worrying, we need to pray over each situation. Paul instructs us to pray over everything, both in worshipful prayer as well as specifically presenting our needs to God. So if you look it up in the Greek, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about being worshipful. And then also petitions. So you're doing both, which includes that thanksgiving. You're, you have this interaction that's going on with the Lord. You're fellowshipping back and forth, back and forth with him. And the better we learn to do this, the, uh, the less uh, uh, situations lord over us. Such prayers need to be accompanied with thanksgiving. And we know this. This is found in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and 1 Timothy 2.1. Talk about thanksgiving, if you want to jot those down. But thanksgiving is the verbal expression of our faith. Thanksgiving is the verbal expression of our faith. The Life in the Spirit New Testament commentary says this about this verse. Concerning this prayer, we see an openness and freedom in prayer by one, by, whereby one exposes deep needs to God, partnering together with Him. The word in no way implies that God is not aware of our requests before we ask them. It should also be noted that the environment in which these requests are being presented to God is one of thanksgiving. This, again, is that worshipful attitude. <clears throat> it's, this verse specifically speaks of fellowship and openness with the Lord. So you might as well just be honest with him. I'll do this, and, and maybe you guys do too. But I'll do this. Lord, I know your word says this, but I'm not experiencing it. 
Why? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Okay, maybe you haven't. Maybe you just need to, you need to think about this in a different way. The Lord already knows what you're doing that's not working. <laughs> okay? And most of us do too. <laughs> How many know it's easy to see from the outside? Okay? So you might as well go to the Lord and go, Lord, I read this in your word. See, I guess uh, we, we heard this, I heard this from Brother Hagin over and over, but specifically with him, it was concerning finances. He was, he, he was reading the scriptures, and he was reading a particular scripture um, because he's basically, they had no money. He, he obeyed the Lord, and he followed and went out into the traveling ministry and left the church that he was at. And it was the best church they had been in. They were the most financially comfortable. They had a place to live. They, all their kids were adequately clothed and fed and all of that stuff. And, he was, and the Lord told him to go out on the road, and he was basically starving. He wasn't making it. So he got a hold of a scripture that says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the what? The good of the land, right? So he, for three days, he was praying and fasting before the Lord, and he kept bringing this scripture up to the Lord. How many know the Lord says, come let us reason together, okay? I think sometimes we get religiously minded. I know I have in the past at times where we act like we have to come to God and say everything just perfect, but you don't. You can go to God and have a conversation with him. And just say, Lord, I know you're not the one missing it. I am. But where am I missing it? I, I'm fellowshipping. I need to know how to fix this and how to uh, overcome this issue. How many have issues that you need to overcome? Okay. I'll raise both my hands. Um, and so in order for that to take place, though, there has to be that anonymity, that openness with the Lord where you're going, okay, this is who I am. You know, if you go to the Lord and act like you're where you're not, he won't, resp he won't respond because you you're not open. You, you have to be honest with him. It's not that he couldn't just, this is what it is, but that's not how he is. He's a gentleman, I know we're learning this in our uh, uh, book that we're going through, uh, with men's group on the Holy Spirit. You have to be open. You have to be honest. You have to allow him to, to speak to you. Uh, Dale uh, made this statement. I thought it was really good. He said, you know you're getting close to the Holy Spirit when you can hear things you don't want to hear. Do you know in every one of us, inside of us, there's a little part of us that goes, don't say that. I don't want to hear that. Lord, give me an answer, but anything but this. Am I the only one? Okay, so this is part of this. This is this learning to release, not just whatever happens, but release your life over to the Lord, where he really becomes Lord of your life. Because there's a lot of people that have Jesus as their Savior, and there's a whole lot more that do not have him as their Lord. The ones that have him as, a, as their Lord are fewer. And we're all at varying degrees of growth and development. But this, this falls into this, and we need to be aware of this and be open to the Lord. Because when we're open to the Lord, then he gives us the answers we need. When we follow him, then we get the, we get the release, the, the manifestation of whatever we're looking for. So going back to Brother Hagin. But he kept quoting the scripture to the Lord, and, he's, and the Lord finally said to him, he said, the reason why you're not, your money's not coming in like it should is because you don't qualify. 
Now, most people would rebuke the devil at that point saying, I'm the righteousness of God. (laughs) And you're religious and not in relationship. And he said, Lord, he said, how do I not qualify? I qualify. He said, you only qualify on part of that verse. And he said, well, which part is that? The obedient part. He said, what do you mean? He said, the scripture says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. It's not enough just to be obedient. You have to be willing and obedient. See that? Now that gets down into where uh, I don't want to hear that, Jesus. And when people reject the Lord, usually if they reject him enough, this is usually what it turns into. Well, I don't need God anyway. They get bitter and angry and resentful toward God. I'm dealing with situations, frequently I do, but different situations in my own life with people with this exact thing. You know, people make the statement, they act like, well, if God's ever done anything for me, I don't know it. Are you kidding me? You're here and you have heartbeats. You're on the planet. You get to breathe oxygen today. And so we got to watch out for this because we have to be submissive to him. And this is this openness. This is this no anxiety. This is this fellowship prayer and thanksgiving with the Lord. It's this conversation that goes back and forth where you're in intimacy with him. Now, thankfully, fellowship doesn't determine eternity. Relationship through Christ and faith in him does. Because there's a whole lot of people that go through this whole life and never get close to the Lord. But they are saved. They would never reject Christ. I've talked to them. I've met them. They're definitely born again. Thankfully, being born again is easier than fellowship. (laughs) Right? Because nobody wants to go to hell. At least most people don't. Okay? For the most part. So, this is about fellowship and openness with the Lord. The Lord knows where we are and, 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 and what we are going through. In fact... He knew it before the foundation of the world, and he prepared answers for our petitions, which we discover through fellowship and receive by faith when they are revealed. I'm going to read this again. I want you to hear this. The Lord knows, we, he knows where we are and what we are going through. In fact, he knew about it before the foundation of the world. Listen to this. And he prepared answers for our petitions, which we discover through fellowship and receive by faith when they are revealed. We discover the answer through fellowship. When that answer is revealed, faith comes, and then we grab. Do you see that? And so sometimes, in our, I know for me, um, you know, in different things in my own life, I'm like, Lord, I, you know, we're doing good here, we're doing good here. Have, have you ever heard the Lord tell you you're doing good in an area? I have. You're doing good in this area, and he'll encourage you and strengthen you. And then you get to certain things in your life, and you're like, it's like you can't get the car in gear. You know, have you ever, um, uh, have you ever ridden with somebody who's, who's not very good at a stick shift? And they're... <laughs> it's like, just keep it in third. We'll just leave it there, all right? We'll, you know? Or a vehicle that's difficult to get into gear on a stick shift. But that's what it feels like in your faith. It's like, so why am I not making the connection that I should? 
well, it's not going to do me any good to worry about it. So I got to get into worshipful fellowship and prayer and petition about it. I have to get quiet, and then I have to let the Lord lead me. And then I have to be willing and obedient, right? Because I know this, and this is something you need to hang on to. I know God's for me. So he's not trying to hurt me. So he's not my enemy. And, and let's just settle this too. Even if people around you are your enemy, they're not your enemy. Okay? If you can keep those out and just stay in fellowship mode, you'll get your answer. You'll get your breakthrough. And you'll go to another level. Amen? And it's going to be different for people on all levels. Boy, we got through one verse. You, that is just awesome. <laughs> and I'm not going to even attempt to go into the next one because it'll probably be one verse next week. <laughs> I studied a couple, I studied out three verses pretty good today. And I thought, man, if we get through three, that'll be great. <laughs> but but how many know this? There's no sense in, in trying to just breeze through it. I mean, we have to have that built into us. I guarantee you this would change your life for the rest of the week if all you did was practice this verse. If every 15 minutes you set an alarm or 30 minutes set an alarm on your phone, went and read this verse and said, okay, Lord, am I being anxious about anything? Amen. I was raised a champion warrior. I mean, I literally, they, I literally at times, I mean, it's amazing I still have fingernails. I grew up biting my nails. Do you know it's not easy to just stop that? Now, I may be able to stop or change certain external things, but what about this ticker up here? And yet the Scripture tells me the scripture declares to me that if I keep my mind, and I can keep my mind on him, he'll give me, I'll live in perfect peace. And the word is actually shalom, shalom. I have actually literally caused issues in my body because of worry. <laughs> Stupid, man. Now, I'm not saying it's just stupid in the sense of like, I'm stupid, I can't figure it out. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it's satanic, it's totally demonic. And people are like, you know, you, you want to go get in the prayer line, just make it go away. But then you leave worrying. And guess what still stays? The physical problem. It can't leave because the door's still open. Yep. So doing the word and being, so now, now I'm, in a, I'm in a real situation, right? Because the Lord says, I can keep my, I, we, we didn't get there to verse 8, but it says I can actually think, I'm told to think on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is, have you ever tried to practice that verse? We better have supernatural ability because it isn't just going to happen. But yet here it is. Be anxious for, but in everything. Wow, right? 
Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.